It's September 18th, 2017, and this is the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast. Internet memes, viral videos, social media. Kids today are consuming digital pop culture like this all the time. How can we use it to engage kids in engineering? My guest today has some ideas. I'm Pius Wong. And today I speak with Nehemiah Mabry, engineer and founder of STEM Media. STEM Media is his company focused on creating digital content to promote science, technology, engineering, and math. Well, uh, I just wanted to say welcome to the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast officially. Thank you. People are, are listening. They they may have heard me say your name as Nehemiah Mabry, but I should be probably calling you Doctor Mabry. Is that correct? Oh man, look, you know, I don't make any fuss about that. Um, <laughs> it's only certain environments that. Hey, it's a big deal. I, well, you know, I pull it out when it can be helpful to me. Other than that, you know, I don't need to, you know, <laughs> use the title that often. But <laughs> sure, man, whatever fits you, Nehemiah Nee. That's what my friends call me. So okay. Can you tell anyone listening what your background is? Where did you get your PhD in and what do you do? Uh, Yes, man. So I am formerly trained as a civil structural engineer, to be exact. Um, Started school studying applied math and engineering, a dual degree program in Alabama. Got a master's down there at the University of Alabama, Huntsville. Then I moved up to uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, where I am now. and I attended North Carolina State University. And I got my PhD in structural engineering and mechanics. So that was uh, my academic journey. I didn't take any breaks, kind of kept going straight through. But now that I'm done, I'm working in the field of bridge design, designing, inspecting, and analyzing bridge bridges up here in the Raleigh-Durham area. That sounds like heavy engineering. Is there a lot of math and and analysis and coding involved in that? Uh, not so much coding. Uh, it, it could be heavy math, but not on a regular basis. You know, um, we have design codes, as many listeners may know, that kind of guide our design practices. Um, inspecting is just that, inspecting. We find out what's wrong. Where it gets pretty heavy, though, is when we're analyzing and we're actually trying to determine, you know, how strong or rate the strength of a bridge. That's where it gets a little tough, but, you know, that's not every day you know right right yeah there are a lot of teachers listening and a lot of them might just have a little bit of an impression of what engineers do day to day Mm -hmm. so uh that's kind of cool that you explain that something that they might not know is that you also are involved in the education world not just engineering right absolutely you've got a a company called stemmedia.org yeah yeah so stem media is actually, you know, to be honest with you, it started as a personal extracurricular activity during my PhD program. You know, as a grad student, I really wanted the outlet to creatively share my passion for engineering and science. And I wanted to do it in a way that would inspire other people. So I did it initially, this kind of extracurricular activity. And then from there, it has sort of evolved into a digital media company, which provides creative and inspirational content for the STEM community. So videos, um, live workshops, and in other types of content is, is what STEM media is all about. And I, I love it. Hmm. What's the mission? Yeah. So the mission of STEM media, you know, I, I say that we want to become the ESPN of STEM, you know, kind of how ESPN kind of prides themselves as the worldwide leader in sport or the go-to source for sports. And that's kind of what we want to do when it comes to 
particularly creative and inspirational content. Uh, where there's a lot of players, you know, yourself and so many others that are doing tremendous things in STEM. But we kind of want to be able to show a, a picture of STEM that is essentially creative, creative genius meeting technical intelligence. So one that is just inspirational, one that is uh, empowering, one that isn't creative, one that basically makes it as prestigious as many other popular careers in our society, such as entertainment and sports, the things of that nature. So that's really the overall goal of STEM media, you know, to really change the perception for people, you know, like myself and those who have uh, an outlook. Yeah, because I, I think you might agree sometimes engineers get a, a bad rap i guess they're mm-hmm. they're stereotyped as a certain type of person yeah so what do you exactly do to combat those perceptions of engineers and engineering you know so it's funny because really i'm really finding ways to take what was in my head out and kind of share it to other people that's kind of really what the goal was because you know going through engineering school myself i didn't really see too many people that looked like me you know whether it be um the fact that I'm an African American male, or there also be someone that is, was very interested in a number of things, such as, you know, I was a musician. I played the bass guitar. I was in the improv group director of an improv drama troupe. Um, I sang in a couple of singing groups and choirs. Um, I did a lot of public speaking. And not to say that this, these people didn't exist. It just wasn't represented. Right. So as I am going about my, you know, studies, Sometimes I would just find these connections between my creative passions and the things that I was studying. And so, uh, you know, whether it be a poem, whether it be a, a you know, rap or whether it be, um, a, a skit or something that's in my head. And so to do that now, STEM media just seeks to create content, um, that just expresses it in humorous ways, whether it be connected with pop culture, you know, tying your favorite child character cartoon, um, to a particular concept in engineering. Or uh, something that just recently took a lot of uh, or got a lot of attention was a poem, STEM poetry is how I like to call it, where I explain my research in the form of spoken word poetry um, for for Mm. the contest that took place. Well, that's really cool. I haven't heard of that. Uh, Where is that going on? Is that just a a movement or a program? Yeah. So technometric STEM poetry is what we call the program that STEM media developed. And actually, it's something that has taken place for three years running now here at North Carolina State University, where we get a lot of engineering students and basically just have a spoken word slash poetry slam. And the only criteria is that you have to incorporate technical concepts into your lyrics. So, um, man, it's been growing. The students have been coming out. It's essentially kind of doubled or every year. And um that was just something that came from my idea from a video that I, that I did before. And so I took that concept, yeah. kind of sharing two different things. That's that's the event side of it. But in reference to the video that I was just mentioning, um, it was a contest by the National Academy of Engineering held last year. And, oh, okay. uh, yeah, I entered it and I said, you know, why don't I just use something that I've been doing and enjoying that has been resonating here locally to enter that contest. And so uh, fortunately, it was successful and, and won, you know, the national grand prize in that. Yeah, congratulations. Obviously, you've had some success in popularizing engineering and promoting it and everything. What kind of digital media really resonates with people? Yeah, well, obviously, there is just the ubiquitousness of social media today. 
Yeah. Um, you know, attention is there, particularly for, you know, the millennial generation, generation Z. I mean, that's where attention is. And so, um, while I wouldn't say that traditional media, magazines, TV and all that radio is dead, I would say that, you know, it's a necessity to have content on social media platforms. So that as a channel or as a distribution channel just automatically mm-hmm. is something you have to incorporate, I believe. Um, but other than that, man, I, it's really philosoph- a philosophical shift that I have in my head. And that is I'm not trying to make engineering cool. I'm simply revealing the coolness in engineering that I've already seen. Right. right? Yeah. I think when you say, let's make it cool, you're almost implying that it isn't cool and we're trying to transform it into something that's not. Mm-hmm. But if you see it as cool already, it's like, hey, I'm just going to literally reveal what I already see so you can see what I see. Then it's kind of a different process. It's, it's, it's just simply pulling back the veil. And so, um, you know, the fact that I can watch a sitcom or watch a cartoon and just see engineering or s- identify with a character in a movie that reminds me of, you know, myself when I was trying to figure something out allows me to then sort of reverse engineer what's already interesting to those in, in pop culture, right? If people right. are loving a certain meme, if a meme is going viral, if a TV show is hot, you know, you can just look at that and say, hey, these are the things, once they pop up on someone's feed, these are the things that are going to grab their attention. Why? Because these are hot topics. So let me find an element in that that alludes to engineering or that suggests some sort of idea. And so that's really been the route that I've been taking, sort of kind of working backwards from what is already holding the attention of those you're trying to reach. I see. So you're kind of riding those trends of what's popular on social media and especially with young people, it sounds like. Uh, From what I understand, you're definitely trying to aim for younger people. Yeah, well, well, you know, the thing is, is the pipeline is always essential. So you want to make sure that, you know, the younger demographic is is constantly being considered in everything you're doing. Um, the majority of my talks and stuff take place K-12, K-12 arena. Um, but I've also been doing a lot with higher ed. You know, I, I, I look at my life and I say, okay, when was the pinnacle of cool? You know, I am <laughs> probably on the other side of cool, naturally speaking, when it comes to the fact that, you know, I'm a father, I'm married, have a kid. It's cool. Now, don't get me wrong. But I mean, where do you, you know, when you're younger, you're looking up like, oh, the high schoolers and the high schoolers are maybe looking up to the college students. So mm-hmm. I kind of see college age students as people who can kind of set uh, the benchmark for what is happening, you know, what is what is really taking place. And so if you can kind of create uh, an excitement in that group, I think you're going to have your high schoolers look up to them and then you're going to have your middle schoolers look up to your high schoolers and then you're going to have your elementary students look up to your middle schoolers and so. So yeah, the kind of the whole K through 12 gambit, I would say, but I have also been able to really, um, do some things with, with higher ed that I feel has been effective. What have been, uh, some of your biggest successes with higher ed? Like that STEM poetry thing uh, for one, I guess. Definitely. Yeah. That has been kind of the flagship thing, man. Um, you know, like I said, it's been growing every year, looking to take it to other campuses and um, even getting a, a little bit of sponsorship interest as well. So that has definitely been um, one of the things that has been successful on a higher ed level. Um, but also um, I do a lot of workshops, man. I, I go into um, and, I, and, and, you know, it can kind of be adjusted for your age group. But I go into schools and talk about STEM STEM plus creativity, you know, showing how there are 
um, inventions and there has been innovation that has taken place throughout the course of history that has been nothing short than works of art. You know, and um, being able to engage students through exercises that allow them to think outside the box to achieve certain technical means means. And that has been one of the things that has been really resonating. Um, also, just, you know, I think being able to present yourself as one of them. And what I mean by that is just simply sharing your story. Right. You're not going in trying to say facts and figures. You know, this is why STEM is important. This is how much more money you want to make. Yes, those things are important. I think they are <laughs> persuasive, <laughs> you know, but really outside of that, man, just resonating on a on a personal level has been kind of more of a secret sauce. I think whenever I have embedded it in whatever project I've, I've seen, you know, like I said, a, a certain response that has been more effective than trying to come as the you know, older elder statesman that's just trying to tell you what right, to do. Right, right. No, so then, Nehemiah, then uh, can you tell a little bit of your story? Like, why were you interested in engineering in the first place? Structural engineering or any of that? Yeah, yes, yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I um, man, when I was growing up, I was a kid, and, you know, I had a little bit of tinkerism in me, as people say. But uh, more than that, man, I used to collect tons of, like, trinkets and broken hangers and old packaging from toys and just random things around the house and around the neighborhood that I would just see lying around. And so much so that my mom was like, why are you bringing this stuff in my house? You know, this, this is dirty. What are you doing? And I had, I had it all collected in what I call my junk drawer. And I was convinced as a kid, pretty much, you know, my entire elementary school years that I was going to use these things to create something. Like I was going to make the next big thing with all these random parts. And so I tried tons of things, man. I, I tried to create my own video game. I tried to create, you know, uh, motorized vehicles. I tried to do all types of things, man. And, and those were kind of my early uh, experiences with being an engineer, being an inventor, being someone that, you know, had an affinity for this area. So I did that, man. And I didn't even know that engineering was a was a possible career. Until later on in my youth, probably around 11th grade in high school, mm-hmm. my dad, who who was always quick to give me ideas of things I should try out, uh, you know, mentioned it to me. And so I said, hmm, engineering, you know, and he's like, yeah, you know, this combines math and then it has design involved, which was also something I was really interested in as it related to my my drawing and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so I went into, uh, you know, my 11th grade year saying, okay, I'm going to try this engineering thing. And it just so happened that there was a particular NASA internship opportunity in my city that was only for 11th graders. Oh, well, and that was in um, Alabama? That was in Huntsville, Alabama, where I was living at the time. Mm. Yeah, Marshall Space Flight Center was the location. And I applied for it, man, and I got it. And I just remember that summer being exposed to all different types of engineering. And that's when I was hooked. I knew I was like, hey, this is this is the career path for me. This is where I need to be. And I just rode the wave ever since. Wow. So that's really awesome. I'm sure you worked real hard. But in a way, it sounds from an outside perspective, you were kind of lucky because you found out about it almost when you were going to graduate from high school. Some kids might find out real yeah. late and maybe they might not have... Um, some of those opportunities. Do you think that if you knew about the field earlier, you would have, uh, I don't know, done the same thing if you got exposed to some of the media that you're making now? Y- yes, I think so. I think one, for one, would have known what engineering was a little bit earlier, you know. And so 
Um, the fact that I latched onto that opportunity and I, and I really latched on, I'm telling you, like mm-hmm. after I did that summer, the next summer there was no program, but I just called everybody that I remember from the summer before and say, can I come back and volunteer? Oh, wow. So I literally volunteered another summer because I just, again, I really enjoyed it. And so what I think would have happened if I would have gotten exposed earlier, um, as a lot of people have an opportunity to do through my program, through my programs or other things is, you know, just really immerse myself sooner, you know, yeah. really get exposed and then get involved and get engaged to where by the time I, I got to college, you know, I would have been, I probably would have knew how to make, make a video game or a motorized vehicle. <laughs> I wouldn't have had to guess yeah. because I, uh, you know, like I said, was exposed to how it's done sooner. Right, right. You wouldn't be making it out of the coat hangers and the other things you've been finding. Yeah, exactly. I would have been, I probably would have had my Arduino going by then. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to ask, going back to the teacher's perspective, I could already picture some people's opinions or some people's questions. One might be, uh, should should the the classroom or should schools be the right setting to bring in social media? Like basically some teachers complain that social media is too ubiquitous, like you were saying, that kids should not be looking yeah. at their phone all the time. What do you say to people like that where, who are maybe skeptical of, of using social media or digital media to try to promote STEM? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I, what I think is a fair concern is – the safety of young young children right you don't want to with good intention try to say here have at it you know go on instagram go on facebook go on youtube or whatever and then have them stray into sort of the random corners of the internet that that will do more harm than good so so i do think that caution and, and wisdom and discretion should be um considered particularly in, you know, elementary schools and middle schools. Um, but on the other hand, I think, <laughs> you know, if you were to say that, uh, you know, it's, it's too you because there's too many places that stay away from it. I think that sort of you'll be doing a disservice or, or ignoring the fact that it's not going anywhere. You know, that's very similar to, uh, I would say, you know, arguing against PBS and all the other educational channels that took place on TV. We knew TV existed and there were, it were poor programming. There was poor content that kids should stay away from, but that doesn't mean that we should avoid it in putting the content that kids need yeah. to consume. Right. So the fact of the matter is <clears throat> here you have, you know, I, I don't know, millions, millions of views taking place of the very kids that you're teaching. And the question is, do we want to make something positive for them to be able to be exposed to or do you want to stay out of the game and literally say that all those 100% of those millions of views are just going to go to you know um, videos or purposeless right right yeah exactly so it's like here it is they're going to be watching something so we want to make sure that we get in the game so that in the same way that PBS gave parents a channel for the to place their children uh, in front of we can put content on these other channels so that people who are trying to at least curb um, the attention of their young people have places that they can direct them to. I really like that analogy. I hadn't really thought about it in terms of like PBS and TV, but that makes a lot of sense. Um, speaking of that, mm-hmm. are there any other people who do something similar who you admire like PBS or are there any digital media companies that, that do stuff like this? 
man, I, I was fortunate or I am fortunate currently to um, have a good friend and mentor where I am now. Marshall Brain, who is the founder of How Stuff Works. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people probably have heard of that brand. He, he started it. He's actually a professor here at North Carolina State University. You know, I know him. And he tells me about his early days of just finding out how stuff works and writing articles about it. And um, he is no longer, you know, running the company because it was bought by um, Discovery, um, which is another very, uh, I would say, <laughs> ubiquitous yeah. educational platform. Yeah. Yeah. So I, how stuff works is something I, I had an opportunity to, um, talk to someone firsthand about how it kind of built. And then it, that just kind of also dovetails into the fact that discovery is, I would say a leading, um, brand in this space. So those are, those are two companies that I admire, uh, quite well. And then of course there are tons of social media companies just in general for all you know, whatever niche you're looking for, tech, you know, beauty, whatever. So I look at what they do as well and say, hey, they're providing education in these spaces. And so what I do is really very similar, but just in the space of STEM and engineering. Yeah. So going back to STEM media, then if people want to create some kind of video or podcast or some kind of digital resource related to engineering or some other educational field, do do they go to you and ask you to make it or how does that work exactly? Yeah, thanks for asking, man. So so uh, STEM Media is a business. And so the majority of the things that we do are on behalf of other organizations, um, mm-hmm. businesses, schools, um, people trying to engage students in science and engineering. So um, what you would do is really just reach out to me, uh, Nehemiah at stemmedia.org or go to the website and, you know, fill out one of our contact us. Uh, boxes and pretty much just say, hey, this is what I would like to do. And the reason why I think this service has been good for us is because I think a lot of people have the ideas. A lot of people are are focusing on what they do best, and that is educating or that is teaching or that is recruiting. Right. And there are a lot of different uh, facets of that. However, um, we are able to say, hey, you want to create an animated video that explains, you know, optics or you want to create a skit that deals with, you know, the struggles of being an engineering student. You can just we can collab. Right. And we are able to then go and then partner with some graphic designers, some animators, some videographers. And actually, we can produce it according to the idea that you wow. have. And so there you there you don't have to worry about the production aspect of it, you know, and then the benefit of myself being a engineer uh, and being trained as an engineer, then there isn't a whole lot of let me explain this to you. You know, it's kind of I already have a, you know, background. And so I'm able to kind of pick up on, OK, this is the technical integrity of what you're trying to do. Now we can talk together about the creative integrity or the creative ideas. Uh, the creative ideas that we would like to communicate to our our team. That's fantastic, and it sounds like yeah, you have a bunch of people helping you out anyway. And yeah, I've been de- developing a team, kind of a a, a nice go to set of uh, talented creative people that uh, have <laughs> gotten, I guess, to some extent, used to my my explanations and my vision as it relates to uh, translating technical. <laughs> concepts into creative presentations so yeah it's fun it's fun no that's excellent you know uh we're almost out of time but i do want to talk to you at some point maybe not now about the whole starting a business kind of thing i've had 
other people who've started educational businesses uh, talk to me on the podcast before, and it's always yeah. real interesting. I frankly don't know how yeah. you have time to run a business and be, you know, a PhD engineer and all that stuff. And that sounds really amazing, <laughs> frankly. So uh, yeah. congratulations, Nehemiah, and, and for all these different things that you're doing. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. How can people reach you one more time? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, personally, you can reach me at Nehemiah at stemmedia.org. That's my first name, N-E-H-E-M-I-A-H. Uh, you can visit stemmedia.org or find us on, on some of the social media channels and at underscore STEM media. Underscore STEM. So you're on pretty much everything, I assume. I saw you on Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> Twitter. Oh, yeah. one, one final yeah, question. Pretty much. Yeah, one final question for all the mm -hmm. teachers, especially teachers who may not know as much about social media. If they had to get one, sure. one social media account to like, I don't know, interact with the world of, of engineering online, what would you recommend? Hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it really depends. And of course, I was going to say that, you know, because <laughs> each each platform kind of has a strong age group or demographic. Okay. Um, but if I had to if I had to say, you know, which one I, I probably would just say, you know, if YouTube counts, I would say get a YouTube account. If if you all consider that social media, which which it is in, in, in many ways, um, you know, putting content on YouTube, YouTube allows you to kind of spread it and embed it several places so that's that's probably what i would go with all right no that's good advice i've heard several teachers uh really praise uh -huh. youtube as well because they can you know incorporate that in their lessons so that's really good to hear that from another engineer and stem media expert yeah all right well <laughs> nehemiah mabry or dr nehemiah mabry thank you so much for talking to me on the podcast and uh i, I hope that we can keep on getting updates from you Hey, Faisal, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, man. And, and uh, all the best to all of your listeners, all of your listeners out there. For notes, links, and transcripts related to this episode, just visit the show website, k12engineering.net. There you'll find links to different ways to contact Nehemiah, for example. Leave a rating and a review of this episode on iTunes or Stitcher and follow the show on Facebook or other social media. Finally, you can financially support the show by donating on Patreon at patreon.com slash pioslabs. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash p-i-o-s-l-a-b-s. Our closing music is called Wishing by Soiree, and you can find more music by Soiree on SoundCloud. His username is Soiree Beats, or just check out the show notes for this episode to find the link. The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is a production of my independent studio, Pios Labs. Everybody, thanks for listening. Thank you.